the day is starting. Well, I'm behind times. I've always been behind times. And guess what? It's almost spring, but I'm going to celebrate it early. You heard those bird calls? You know what I've been doing? I've been sitting outside and listening to the morning calls and knowing that those morning calls are the male birds looking and seeking for the females. Oh, and by the way, just in case you don't recognize this voice after 10 years, only once a month, my darlings. This is Diane Johnson with Senior Matters. And I'm so glad I'm able to be here with you today. It's been a glorious beginning of spring. It's been a glorious sound of the birds out there. And if you are lucky enough to be by the crystal, you betcha you can hear that river coming by. And you can smell the freshness of the spring and the popping of the flowers. And of course, the birds and the bees and life. Speaking of life, I have a very special guest that I just met this afternoon, actually a couple of minutes ago, after reading an article that was written in February about her and what she is dedicating her life today to do. Dula. The word is doula. My darling, Akija, watch this. The tongue is stumbling, but the brain is more deactivated. Please do me a favor and pronounce your beautiful name. Thank you so much, Diane, for having me. It's a real honor to be here today. I don't think I've ever spoken live on the radio, so this is exciting. My name is Akal Jeet, is my first name. Akal Jeet. Akal Jeet. Yes, and it means eternal victory in Sanskrit. She comes from a long way back, doesn't she? Although, must tell you, she is young and vibrant looking. Akalji, tell us a little bit about you and why I have said, please come sit down and talk with us. Thank you so much, Diane. So I am a death doula. I'm also an end-of-life consultant. And when you opened up, this afternoon, you said, let's talk about life. And so what I do is I spend a lot of time talking about death. But you can't talk about life truly and be fully rooted in life without also including death as part of life. So I have a wonderful opportunity where I get to talk to people about how to be more rooted in life by being clear about what's important to you in your final last days of your life. So when you say you, you're talking about that person who wants to 
tell you or say, this is what I want in my last hours, in my last days. I want this, and this is what you will bring to my family and to me, and how do you know to do this? Well, so much like birth, birth is a pretty sacred and special journey that really requires um, a community, it requires a medical team, it requires family, and it requires being clear often on what the mother's wants or dislikes are for what her birth is going to be. Death dueling is very, very similar. I get to talk to people about what's going to be important to them in the very end. And then those wishes hopefully are translated to the family and can be upheld. And I get to act as a guide to that dying person's wishes through their last days and hours of their life to really create a deep, meaningful experience for them as well as their family. And one of the most um, special moments of their life, I'm going to say, but also the most devastating moment of their life in a sense that they no longer get to be in their life and their loved ones have to say goodbye. Whoa, whoa. But you know what? We all do it. We all do it. None of us are getting out of here alive, Diane. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, one of the things uh, I'm getting closer you know, uh, at eight, 83, I'm going still strong, but it could be from one moment to the next. Now, I have a medical durable. Mm-hmm. I have a power of attorney. How does this affect one or the other? So I'm so glad you're bringing that up because I really deeply encourage people to get really clear on who they want to speak to them for them, which is your medical power of attorney and have that in writing for if indeed the day comes when you cannot speak for yourself and your last requests and your, um, your wishes are made of how you want to be cared for or how you want the end to be for yourself. So it's really, really important that people do their advanced directives or living will, I can say, long in advance before you're really looking at a terminal illness, before you've been given a final diagnosis. When you feel healthy and strong and rooted in your life, it's less scary to actually make those decisions, put them down on paper, and then have the conversations with your loved ones. Don't hide them away where you say, You'll know what I need when the time comes because they won't. They won't access that until it's too late. You said healthy, strong, and rooted in your life. Mm. That's really important about the person who is making decisions for the end of their life. You know, Um, training. How do you know what to do? How do you know that what you're doing is a-okay? Um, myself or the person who's uh, making their own medical choices and final choices? Whoa. 
who are for you the final to? those people who are making the final decisions in their life? What is it that today? I'm still compass mentis. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, are you thinking about it? Okay. What are we thinking about doing? So what I do is I really guide people through a process of really evaluating what's deeply valuable to them, what um, has helped shape who they are as a person, what... Um, what specific preferences they have, both physically, spiritually, and then that helps determine what their final wishes are going to be and how they want their end to look. So really by taking a deep look and a deep examination of your own personal values, only from that can you then be able to really come from a deep place in your heart and understanding yourself of what's important because what's important to you now is going to be important to you in the end. And what you realize when you write down your final wishes, those very last wishes are also things that are so valuable to you now in your life. So they're not separate. I hear you. History. Long, long ago. Once upon a time, when we weren't walking this earth, but 500, 600 years ago, Dula, from whence does it come? So the word Dula really means um, a caretaker, basically, in Latin. So you have birth doulas, and you have death doulas. And so once upon a time, those roles were filled often by midwives, by um, medicine men and medicine women who had deep understanding of knowledge of birth and death, of earth medicine, of um, maybe some rudimentary surgical, you know, medical experience. So um, that's really where the word doula comes from is is that of a caretaker. Caretakers. <clears throat> that's, a, oof, that's a new profession, a new professional name for care, care, caretakers, caregivers, health caregivers, home caregivers. But to, the word doula really specifically refers to birth doulas and death doulas. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Good, good. We're in a very, yes, rural community, but we also have a very sophisticated community. You are here today walking a path that is unknown to many of us. Why would I want to walk alongside you? Mm-hmm. That is a beautiful question, Diane. You know, the truth is, is that I think as a society and culturally, we are so spread out. We don't have the family core anymore together side by side under one roof where we have aunts and uncles and grandmas and 
cousins and, you know, grandchildren and the whole, you know, four generations anymore. Um, People are living alone. They're very lonely. Their families are very spread out. So interestingly enough, as a death doula and as an end-of-life guide and consultant, I kind of step in and fill that role, that family and you know, midwives and medicine people once used to fill in terms of being a compassionate presence there during somebody's death, as well as um, helping provide emotional support for them and any family members or friends that are around and encouraging that gathering back of the tribe and of the community and of the family as death being a communal and family experience. So it's a really unique role that's emerging right now. And I really think it has so much to do with the distance that people have. And if you could have somebody there who's just there to be present with you and compassionate and can help uphold, you know, hopefully you've had the conversation long in advance about what your wishes are, but have somebody there that can help just bring comfort and peace to something that can be scary. Death is not always scary. We had talked about why are people afraid of death, and we can circle back to that if you'd like. The one thing I would like to get to also is... You have experienced your own personal fear of losing someone you love very much. How did that affect where you are now? So I think you're referring to in the article I talked about that my mother was diagnosed with cancer, colorectal Mm -hmm. cancer three years ago, and it was stage three, which is not great. And I, my mother's one of my dearest people to my heart, and I couldn't imagine a world, my world without her. And when I heard the news, it really sunk me into a really deep, deep, sad place of realizing I might lose my mother earlier than I would have could have imagined. And I am not ready. So within that not being ready question, I asked, what do I need to be ready? And so I realized I wanted to understand what death looks like. I wanted to know the questions to ask the deep, intimate questions. I wanted to know what her wishes were. And I didn't know how to begin these conversations. I think that's what it is so often for people. They, they are so afraid, they don't know where to begin. And that's the beauty of the work I do is I help people start the conversation. Mm -hmm. And for me, I got to have that dialogue in myself. And then I got to slowly bring it forward to my mother. And it brought me so much comfort and peace knowing that I had had some of those conversations and understood what her wishes were. And she's alive and well. Ah, that a girl. (laughs) Boy, you slammed that home. That was a three base hit. 
you know? <laughs> I think, uh, you know, for me, uh, I'm at that point in my life dealing with a health issue all of my adult life, and I can't believe I'm still here at 83, but I have four children. And I know that they are reaching out more than they used to. They're not in the area, but the phone calls are forthcoming and the cards come or the contacts are continuing to be made. And I think it's just great, but I'm not thinking about, oh, I'm at that end in my life. Is this why they are calling me? Is this why my grandson, who I hadn't talked to in a couple years, called me two days in a row? I don't know, and I don't care. It's all good. It's just all good. I, I am blessed at this time. They don't live around me. They are in distant many, many miles away. But I also have a wonderful community that reaches out and supports each other. And individuals that reach out and support each other. What a gift you're bringing to us. She has um, an angelic smile. Shh, don't tell anyone. Well, I like you said, I think we live in an extremely unique place in terms of um, close community. Um, people are remain very healthy and active well into their 80s and 90s. And look at Klaus Obermeyer still skiing the mountain <laughs> over 100. <laughs> so we, we live in a very unique place where people are so vital and well-placed and rooted in their lives right up until the day that they die. And, um, you know, I would the biggest thing I would say about these conversations with your family and loved ones, and they can be so difficult, and I can help people start those conversations and get clear. But so much of the message I tell people is how you die is a gift to those you love. And I will say it again, how you die is a gift to those you love. And what I mean by that is it matters how you die and how you choose to walk your last little bit of journey on this earth because that is really the gift that your family will carry and the memory that they will carry for the rest of their lives. I hear that it's their memory and I hear that it's for the rest of their lives. But I'm dying. What can I do to make it better for them? I'm in the moments. I'm mm. in the hour. Mm. I have not... Oh, did I do my last will? Did I do my medical? No, that's not an issue. Hmm. I'm in last hour. If you're still verbal or not, just that moment of love and stillness. Let's say you're not speaking, holding your loved one's hands, gazing into their eyes. That love is 
known in that embrace and in that moment. So sometimes very little needs to be said. It's more about presence, right? Yes, their presence. And your presence with the process as well. Yeah. Of dying. Yeah. Your presence of how you die. And everybody wants to know, was I loved and did I love well? And not knowing how I will be at that time isn't always someone. I don't have control over that. I don't have an iota, not a breath of control of that. But peace of mind. Yeah, and let your wishes be known. So if they have to come forward and step in, they are at peace knowing that they helped fulfill your desires and your final wishes. Yeah. I have a question. If I need to connect with you, how do I get in touch with you? How can you be reached? So and are you reachable? <laughs> I'm very reachable. I'm very much rooted in my life. I live in Carbondale with my beautiful... 13-year-old daughter and husband and our dog and our a handful of quail <laughs> in our backyard, which I have eggs. And um, so the best way to reach me is actually through my website, okay. which is acallgeet.com. Will you I'll spell, spell it, please? A-K-A-L-J-E-E-T.com. And I'll spell it again. It's A-K-A-L-J-E-E-T dot com. And on that, you will find my email contact. And I give half-hour free consultations. Okay. Okay. Consider this your consultation. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I... I never thought of have knowing about in today's age that we could have someone like you, a professional, come in and just smooth those waves so that there's no tidal wave and there's no tsunami, even though death can do that to us. It can shake our whole being, you know. Um, I've experienced it. We, those of us, most all of us have experienced it. It's just another passage. And sometimes they're very painful for us and mm-hmm. for family. In your last moments with someone that you have been with for a while, what is it that you do? May I invade on that totally very soft private place? Yeah, you know, often it is just sitting there with unconditional love and encouraging family just to be still and present with unconditional love and maybe any last words said or whispered. It's simple, right? 
Yeah, and you just said it too. The words, they're simple, last words, quietly said, and that's what counts. Thank you, beautiful woman, lady, enriched spirit. Everyone out there, enjoy the rest of this beautiful spring day. Rain on the way, snow up in Aspen, y'all. Thank you so much, Diane. What a pleasure. It's been my pleasure, dear. Thank you very much. <laughs>